listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Let's just take a few moments to pray. Lord, we come before you right now. We say we're here for you. Lord, we've come tonight to hear your voice. We've come tonight to see you. We need you, Lord. We need you. That's our prayer tonight that we need you we are in desperate need of Jesus Jesus Christ we need you Holy Spirit we need you just ask that you would even just begin to move around the room right now Holy Spirit Lord I thank you that you don't have to wait to the end of a message to touch people Lord, we just open our hearts right now. We say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We've come to engage with you. We've come to encounter you. You are the center of our affection. You are the center of our attention. We just set our eyes on you right now. We just set our eyes on you right now, oh beautiful one. Holy one of Israel, we set our eyes on you right now. Man of fire, we set our eyes on you right now. The one who is seated on the throne, we set our eyes on you right now. I saw a throne and one sat on the throne. You are on your throne and no one else could take your place. You are high and lifted up. Just ask, flood this room with your presence. Flood this room. We need you. We need you. Lord, we've not come for a man. We've not come for a band. We have come for the lamb. So we say, Lord, here we are. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds. <sighs> Amen. <sighs> yeah, so we've been on a journey the last, some of us, 20, almost 21 days. Some of us, almost the last 40 days of fasting and praying and believing that God wants to speak to us and one of the first things that we really felt like the Lord was saying is that 
you would see, you would sense the presence drawing near. And when you do, that you would go after it. And we've really felt like there's been a sincere, special invitation from the Lord to seek after him with all of our hearts. And there's these moments, there's fasts, and there's seasons where it's like, jump on board and grit your teeth and just go after it, do everything you know how to do. We just found that in this season, that's not working because he's inviting us. He's the one giving the invitation. So many of you, you've even felt that. Like maybe you felt over the last few weeks, and just excuse me as I talk to the ones that have been fasting and praying with us the last few weeks, but maybe you've even felt that like, man, this thing is messy. It's like it didn't go the way I thought it would go. Like God didn't do, it didn't turn out the way I expected. And I want to tell you that that's how you know you're in the midst of the Lord. And that's how you know that God is doing something. It's when things don't look like the way you thought they would look like. Because you submitted your heart completely to him. And that's what we've been doing all on, this time, on the last few weeks. We've just been saying, Lord, we need you. We need you to touch our hearts. We need you to touch our lives, our families. I just feel the dependency on the Lord is just like tugging at our hearts right now in a new and a fresh way. Like, Lord, we've tried everything else. We've tried to go through the motions. We've tried to do the right stuff. Lord, we need you. Our hearts are fickle. They're back and forth. And we've been talking about the 1 Kings 18 for, for weeks now. And I love 1 Kings 18, but what I've come to realize is a lot of times we see ourselves through the wrong lens. When I read 1 Kings 18, I see myself as the mighty prophet and intercessor. I see myself as Elijah. Lord, it's, I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that's about revival. I'm the only one that's about an outpouring. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And I've come to realize on this fast, I'm not Elijah. I'm the one that he's saying, how long will you waver? I'm the one that he's looking at and saying, how long will you go back and forth on your opinion of me? I'm the one that he's saying, how long will you change how you feel about me based off of your circumstance and how life looks right now? I mean, can I, we just be real tonight? This is where I am. The Lord's been confronting. I feel like that's what he's been doing. I feel like he's going to keep doing it this weekend. I believe there's great breakthrough in store for us. But I just feel like we just have to start from the right posture of recognizing ourselves in the midst of a holy God. Recognizing our position, recognizing the status of our heart recognizing that the times and the seasons, woe to those that do not understand the seasons that they're in. I feel like God has been opening our eyes in this moment, and he's been speaking to me out of Joel 2, verses 12 through 14. If you want to open up, just go ahead and flip there right now. It's a common scripture, but I feel, I just feel it so strong. I feel like we're in this Joel 2 season. Where if you know anything about the book of Joel, you know they're in the midst of just a wild time. There's locusts, there's famine, there's just all sorts of destruction, dismay, turmoil is breaking out. And God just repeats over and over through the prophet to consecrate a fast, do all these things. But then he says in Joel 2.12, he says, now. Say now. Come on, say it again, now. Come on, now is the time. Now is the time. He's saying now. Now is the time. He said now, says the Lord. Now, therefore, says the Lord God, turn to me with all of your hearts. I want to tell you, not today is the time. Now is the time. Bible doesn't say today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. And I feel the urgency of Jesus. I feel the urgency of the hour. How many of you feel the urgency of what is happening in the world? If you haven't turned, you don't even have to pay much attention to the news to know the world is shaking right now. 
I love how David said that we're in a time of shaking. And I want to tell you the shakings are only going to get more aggressive. I feel like we're even approaching that Psalm 2 nations beginning to rage. We're seeing the attacks against Israel. And I feel like the Lord is saying it's time to wake up and stop playing the games. It's time to turn with all of your heart. Now is the time to stop playing, to stop being back and forth, to get off of the fence. I heard somebody say it like this. Pick a side because the devil owns the fence. And he's saying, turn to me with all of your hearts. How many of you have heard this verse before? How many of you have read this verse before? How many of you have said this verse has actually read you? This is what I feel like the Lord's been doing is I'm not just reading the word. The word is reading me. The word is read. Jesus is reading my mail right now. And he's exposing the hearts. He's saying, it's time to turn to me with all of this thing. I want to tell you just plainly, clearly that we can't have half hearts anymore. We can't have split hearts anymore. And I've come to realize that half hearts are the soil for compromise and complacency. And when you cannot be fully devoted to the Lord Jesus, it bursts and it roots in this complacent spirit that just goes along with whatever the world throws our way. And we get tossed to and fro. Come on, tossed to and fro by the winds. And James said, these are the double-minded. And he's saying, when you turn all of your heart, it turns your mind. And you get singular focused. And he's saying, turn to me with all of your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. I want to tell you, this is a season that many of us have been in. It's been one of those trying seasons where the Lord is bringing things to the surface. And he's saying, in order to get you to where I want to get you to, I've got to get down to the depths of your heart. I've got to get down to that soil and that dirt that you haven't touched for years. And you've forgotten about it, but God hasn't. The Lord has not forgotten about the things in the depths of our heart, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. And he is looking at those things right now. He said, I need you to turn with all of your heart. Everything in you, you've got to completely turn to me. And you say, Marcus, how do I turn fasting, weeping, mourning? I know that we're all about bless me, bless me. I know we're all about the joy of the Lord, and we're going to get to that, I promise you. But I want to tell you that the joy of the Lord without recognizing your current state so that he can heal your heart is nothing more than temporary superficial happiness. The Lord is done with the superficial. We want supernatural. We've got to stop with the superficial. Come on, the Lord's digging in our dirt. He's digging in our mess. He's saying, turn. I need you to fast. That's what we've been doing. And I just want to commend those that have stayed in the journey. How many know fasting is not easy? Fasting is not something that I look forward to. I look forward to the glory, but I don't look forward to not eating. Can you say amen? Listen, it's hard. There's days you wake up and you've got that headache and you've got that, that caffeine addiction rushing at you. And you start to twitch at the neck. Where are my caffeine addicts at? can't relate I'm not bound by that spirit come on <sighs> but it but what happens when you fast you begin to weep can you say amen when you fast you begin to weep why because your body becomes so weak and your spirit becomes so in tune with what the lord is trying to say and what he's trying to do and many of us we go on these fasts and with the lord the voice of the lord begins to go from a whisper to a thunder have you experienced that 
where the Lord thunders in the secret place, the word says. And fasting, it clears the plate and it clears the soul and clears the body so that you can hear what the Lord is saying in this time. Fasting, weeping, mourning is not mourning like boohoo crying. It's recognizing our need. It's recognizing, man, I filled myself with so much stuff. I filled myself with so much, so many empty calories. And I'm not just talking about the meals. So many empty calories on television. So many shows I've turned to because I'm in the midst of my despair. And I go to that comfort show or I go to that comfort food and I'm still empty. And I'm worse off than I was before. Have you ever felt that before? Where you've tried, to, you've tried to fill the void and you realize that it, nothing can take the place of Jesus in that void. Jesus is showing us, he's showing his church that nothing can fit on my spot, which is the throne of your heart. There's only room for me. And I want to tell you, when you try to fit anything in that place, it cannot and will not fit. <sighs> Rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend your hearts and not your garments. What is he saying? You've got to get past the outer, the outer works, the outer appearance of looking spiritual. Can I tell you, this is one of the greatest, one of the greatest messed up things, whatever the word is. The greatest tragedies of the church is that we know how to look the part so well. We know how to look the part. It's been said that you are alive, but you are dead, Jesus said. And looking at the inward of our heart, when we begin to turn our hearts, when we begin to fast, which leads to weeping, which leads to the dependency of Jesus coming alive in our hearts, we begin to rend our hearts. Do you know what that means? It means to tear it apart. It's to be brokenhearted. How many of you have ever been brokenhearted before? I want to tell you, brokenheartedness with that girlfriend means nothing compared to the brokenness of a man or a woman that does not have Jesus. And the fullness of his voice, his will, his way, his word in their lives. There's a different level to this thing. And it causes us to want to turn back to him. This is the time now. Say now. Now is the time. Now is the season. We're in the moment. We're saying, if you haven't done it thus far, today is the day. This is the moment. This is the time to rend your hearts and not your garments. And I've been praying this prayer, and the prayer is this. Lord, would you create a church in which no knee goes without bending and no heart goes without rending? Jesus is creating and pulling out the morning of heart that says, not woe is me because my life isn't the way I want it. Woe is my heart because it is empty of the fullness of God. Because I've been so preoccupied by doing all the right things and looking up impressive to people and trying to do all the, looking great. It's the Revelation 3, Laodicean church. He said, I wish you were hot or cold. You're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. But why were they lukewarm? He said, because you're lukewarm, I'll do this. Now, why are you lukewarm? Because you believe you're rich and you're wealthy and you have no need of anything. The lukewarm heart never sees itself rightly. The lukewarm heart always thinks it's better off than it really is. The lukewarm heart always says, oh, I've got it going on. I'm great. This is amazing. I'm not saying that we can't have that real place, but we will say it as a facade to hide the deadness inside of us. 
And we have cleaned the outside of the cup for far too long and have ignored the inside of the cup, Jesus says. I want to tell you, he's taking that heavenly sponge and he wants to clean the inside of us. This is important because that bitterness is a bigger deal than you think it is. That envy and that jealousy is a bigger deal than we think it is. The things vying at our heart, the things weighing us down, that addiction to entertainment, it's a bigger deal than you think it is. It's an idol. And the Lord is knocking down the idols now. He said, if, I, if you're going to turn to me with all of your heart, there's some things I've got to knock over. And I'm saying, Lord, come in and smash everything. Come in with, the, I call it the heavenly broom. Come in with the heavenly broom and sweep throughout every crack and every crevice of my heart. It's time for the deep clean in the heart of the church. You know about the deep clean. You know about the spring cleaning. Any of you ever woke up on a Saturday morning and you heard R&B music going on? Come on, the black house, that means it's cleaning day. Come on. You wake up, you hear some old Tony Braxton. It's time to start sweeping. Y'all know who that is. Okay, praise the Lord. I already know if I hear that music, it's time. What am I saying? God is releasing a sound. God is releasing a sound in his church. He's blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet, saying it's time to get right. And he's going to get every speck of dirt out of your heart, every root of bitterness, every root of envy, every root of jealousy, every root of pride. He's pulling it out. He's sweeping through, and he's getting every single little cockroach out of our hearts so that he can bring cleansing and healing and joy. Come on, how many believe that there's joy on the other side? He's tending when we rend our hearts. The rending begets the tending of our hearts. He is a gentle, merciful father. He's tender. Marcus, how do you know that? Because Joel 2 says it. It says, this is, this is why you can turn to me with all of your hearts. Because the Lord is gracious and he's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's great in kindness. How do you be great at kindness? I don't know, but he is. I don't know how you do that. He's great in kindness. What does that mean? What does it mean that we can turn because he's gracious? We can turn because he has mercy. And many of us do not want to rend our hearts. We don't want to turn our hearts to the Lord because we're thinking we're going to get the, 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 the spanking, the discipline. The, listen, I'm not saying he doesn't do what I'm saying. He meets us with mercy. He says, I want you to turn because I'm going to embrace you. He's not going to exile you. He's going to embrace you. His mercy is stronger than you could ever imagine. His mercy is mighty. I like to call Jesus the mighty, merciful Messiah. And he will come to judge the earth in righteousness. Don't make a mistake about it. But he sees through the lens of mercy. He is a merciful king, merciful judge, merciful bridegroom. And I want to tell you, if you have hesitated to open your heart to this man so that you can repent and turn from your wicked ways, you will be met with mercy. You will. I promise you on the authority of God's word. You don't have to run from him. You get to run to him. And those that know who they are in Christ Jesus, when they recognize the state of their heart, they don't go and hide. They run back to him. 
Return to the Lord because he's gracious. Return to the Lord because he's full of mercy. He's merciful. He's merciful. And I've come to realize that I don't want to be the Laodicean church. I don't want to be the one that thinks he has it all together, that's playing the games, that's looking good and cute for social media and to impress people. I want to tell you, I'm just not impressed with people anymore. I'm just not. And I want to tell you, nobody's impressed. They may see something they want and it's rooted in envy and jealousy. I'm not impressed by your, I'm not impressed by your car. Your house, your money, I'm not impressed by your ministry. I'm not impressed by how many notches on the belt of sleeping around you have. I know that there is a, I need the mercy of God. And I want you to wipe away all the things that you have put in your life and put in your heart to cover the dullness in you and get to the root of your need for him. You've got to clear out the mess. You've got to treat your heart like the, like the temple that Hezekiah came and cleaned out and removed the rubbish and remove the rubbish because all the other stuff is going to fade away all flesh is grass isaiah 40 and the grass withers and the flowers fade why because the lord blows on it i want to tell you if you don't get your heart right with the lord when he begins to blow on you you will not be able to stand strong the thing that you welcomed you'll begin to run from the thing that you prayed for will overwhelm and overtake you. But there's mercy. Can you say amen? There's mercy. There's mercy. And I don't know where your heart is today. Maybe you feel this and you're like, I'm in that spot. I've been crying out. He's going to answer you. Maybe you're in that spot. And you say, I don't quite feel it. I think I'm okay. I'm not saying you're not okay. What I am saying is this. We've got to examine our hearts. And we have got to be willing to allow the Lord to expose the things that are holding us back from joining him in a greater way. For a greater level of communion, for a greater level of fellowship, for a greater level of partnership, of love, of in-depth. Listen, we can't, why are we trying to hide things from the God who sees everything? You have searched me and you have known me, he says. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You are acquainted with all of my ways. Do you know what that means? That means when we go through that season of hardship and rather than running from God, running to God, we run from God. He already knew that you were going to do it because he's acquainted with your ways. He gets, he's like, there they go again. But guess what? It's not through the, 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 the tone of intolerance. It's through the tone of mercy. It's through the heart of mercy. It's through the heart of, I wish they knew I was here for them. I wish they could only understand that I'm right here waiting for them to run back to me. Listen, many of us want the Joel 2 outpouring. But before there's a Joel 2 outpouring, there must be a Joel 2 outcry. There's a sound, a sound from men that comes before the sound from heaven. Ten days of prayer in a room and there was a sound from heaven. Now, I want to tell you, it, it may be time for some of us to release a sound. I like to call it the Bartimaeus cry. The cry of Bartimaeus. Y'all remember Bartimaeus? Mark chapter 10. Flip to it if you want to. Matter of fact, not if you want to. Flip to it. Praise God. Verse 46, 47. This man, Bartimaeus, he's... He's on the road and he's begging. And it says that he heard 
that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He heard that Jesus was drawing near to him. He couldn't see him, but he could hear him. He couldn't see him, but he could hear him. I want to tell you that there was something special about Bartimaeus. We look at what Bartimaeus was lacking every time we look at this story. Oh, the blind beggar, poor him. Thank God for Jesus who touched him. I want to tell you, Bartimaeus had something that many of us don't have. Bartimaeus couldn't see, but he could hear. I want to tell you, many of us, we're looking around trying to see God do the things we want. And when we don't see him, we lose hope. We have that hope deferred. Our heart is sick. But I want to tell you, you may not see him, but you can still hear him. You can still hear his voice. You can still hear the tender, merciful voices of our Lord that's saying, come away with me. Come to me. Come to me, those who are weary, those who are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest, but you've got to hear the invitation to come. There is an invitation. Come. Come. Do you hear it? Have you heard it? Are your ears open? Or are they full of the words of the world? Can you hear him drawing near? When you can't see his nearness, can you hear his nearness? I want to I ask you to open your spiritual ears to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear what you're doing. I want to hear the sound, the heartbeat of heaven in Jesus himself who is speaking over me, praying over me, and speaking to me. I want to hear that voice because when he heard the voice of Jesus, it says he began to do what? He began to cry out. Have you ever heard somebody cry out? Have you ever seen that movie where a mother and a son get separated and the child is screaming out for the mother and the mother's screaming out for the son? I don't think he was polite about it. I don't think he was trying to be politically correct. I don't think he was worried about the people's eardrums that were right next to him. I don't think he was worried about getting spit on people. There was a desperation in his heart that said, I've got to make this man hear me. I've got to make him hear me. And he didn't care about being dignified. He didn't care about looking good. He said, I need him to hear me. Can I tell you, desperation knows no dignity. Maybe the one thing holding you back from hearing God, seeing God, experiencing whatever it is he's looking to do in your heart, maybe the difference is your dignity. Maybe it's your pride that's holding you back. Maybe it's your pride of, I've got it all together. I'm a big macho man. No, you're not. I'm an independent woman. No, you're not. And if you are, you need to repent. We need to be dependent on the Lord. What am, I'm not saying don't be quote-unquote strong. What I'm saying is when you recognize your lack, you will be willing to get loud. And he began to cry out. He began to cry out, son of David, son of David. This is one of the most powerful and beautiful prayers in the entire Bible. Son of David, have what? Mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. Can I tell you that? He, Bartimaeus wasn't saying have mercy the way that some people say have mercy these days. Lord, have mercy. No. He wasn't saying it sarcastic. He wasn't saying it as a filler word. He was saying it with a cry in his heart because he needed God. 
He needed Jesus. And this man couldn't even see, but he knew he was a son of David. Can you imagine being surrounded? What does it say? That they warned him to be quiet. He's crying out to the son of David, the Messiah in the flesh. And everybody's response was be quiet. How is it that the blind man had more revelation than those with eyes? I don't want to be the one that has the sharpest eyes and the dullest heart. I want to recognize desperation. This is why I just, I'm careful about the people that I surround myself with. Because I don't need anybody telling me to chill out. I don't need anybody warning me to be quiet. How do you warn somebody that is begging for mercy to be quiet? But if we're not careful... If we're not careful, we become the ones telling others to quiet down. It's not that serious. It's not that big of a deal. Just keep pressing on, brother. Just fight the good fight of faith. No, I need his mercy. I've ran out of strength. Have you ever run out of strength before? You are at your most powerful when you've run out of your strength. Because when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. And I've recognized that it takes some people decades to get to the end of themselves. It takes some people, maybe you're in this room and you can feel that. It took you decades to realize you're not as high and mighty as you thought you were. You're not as cool as you thought you were. You're not as impressed. Jesus is not impressed with you, but he is in love with you. And the moment you recognize your need, you will begin to cry out, Son of David, have mercy. This is why I believe the Lord is talking. This is why I believe we are as a church. And we're crying out for mercy. In the midst of the shakings in the nation, in the midst of the turmoil, he wants to pour out mercy. And he said, I'm pouring out mercy and I'm ridding you of the mixture. No longer will his people look at themselves through a superficial lens, but they will see themselves as desperate and needy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you do not realize you're poor in spirit, you will never pour out your spirit. Why would you when you have everything you need? He literally said they are rich, wealthy. I know I'm jumping around a little bit. Stay with me. And they had need of nothing. He that has need of nothing receives nothing. Do you recognize your need? Do you recognize your need? You say, Marcus, I already got that message and you probably need to hear it again. We don't, we don't move on from our need and our dependency on Jesus. We don't get to move on from this thing. The, the, the moment you move on, you move away. The moment you move on from dependency on Jesus is the moment you begin to move away from his mercies. And he began to cry and he began to warn him. And it, says that the, it says that he began to cry out all the more. All the more. What happens? What happens when your anguish meets adversity? What happens when your cries receive resistance what happens many of us if we we've been there before where we have this cry of desperation and whether whatever it is it's embarrassment it's pride it's it's the situation not working out the way we think it should we begin to back off and well i'll just do it myself how how far has that gotten us how far has doing it ourselves gotten us I don't know about you, but I've realized I tend to make a mess of things. I tend to make things that God should be touching, and I put it in my hand, and I make it worse. I just recognize that. And he said, I'm going to cry out all the more. 
And when he, in these seasons, in those moments of agony and crying out for God, I want you to get that Jesus prayer in you that says, and being in agony, what did he do? He prayed more earnestly. We need earnest prayer in this time for mercy. We need earnest prayer in this time for mercy for ourselves, for our families, for America, for the earth. How many believe that? You, we need mercy right now. Son of David, have mercy. This is my cry, and I believe that this is what the Lord is speaking. Even on this weekend, I believe with all the breakthrough that is going to happen, there has to be, it has to be preceded by a cry for mercy. It has to. And that breakthrough that we're believing for, it comes on the other side of opening our hearts. And I've realized that you can't have breakthrough if you're not willing to let the Lord break you. Break everything down. Every high tower, every strong place, every high and exalted and lofty thing, those little wooden branches you're using for the treehouse of your heart to protect it from the elements, it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And Jesus heard his cry. Jesus heard him. I want to encourage you. Jesus, it says that he stood where he was and commanded that he would be brought to him. It says that he began to call to him. Jesus began to call to the man as the man began to call to Jesus. I want to tell you in this season, if you will open your mouth, if you haven't already, cry out for mercy. He will hear you. He will hear you. He will hear you. You have heard the groans of my voice. Psalm 55 evening morning and noon i will pray i will cry aloud and the lord will hear my voice psalm 22 he heard the voice of my groan you say marcus i don't have any words to say let a groan come out let a groan come out exodus 2 it says that he heard the groans of his people and raised up a deliverer can i tell you jesus comes with deliverance when we raise up a groan that cry of desperation that goes past words. The cute words won't cut it in the secret place. The cute words won't cut it when you're desperate. They don't work, but a groan will always pierce through. The groan pierces through the noise of the world. The groan pierces through the noise of the naysayers, of the unbelief. You got unbelief in your heart, get a groan in you. You say, I don't have faith. I don't believe it. Get a groan in you. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Come on. I don't know how to pray as I ought. You say, I don't know how to ask for mercy. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Come on. Say it if you need it right now. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm prideful. I don't want to open my heart. I don't see my desperation. I know it's there, but I can't feel it. My heart has grown numb, and I've gotten to the point where I've been so intentional about numbing myself to the people around me and the things around me that I've in turn numbed myself to the presence and the voice of Jesus. Can I tell you that the groan will break through the numbness? It's that, it's that wailing, that cry that opens up our hearts and that desperation. I've, you, know what, you know what's amazing? You know, you know Psalm 42, as a deer pants for the water brooks. You know, animals, especially deer, they have different noises that they make. But did you know 
The loudest noise that an animal will make outside of a noise of aggression is a cry for help. Animals, deer, will literally release a cry for help when they need rescuing. If you've ever walked through the park or nature, maybe you haven't. And you've heard that cry, that wail, and you're like, well, there's an animal. You can tell it needs help. This, may, this is a whole different thing when you understand as the deer pants for the water brooks. It is a cry. I need the waters of the Lord to wash over me. I need the mercy of Jesus to wash over me. And he is faithful to respond to our cries for mercy. He's faithful to respond. He calls the man near. He says, what is it that you want? I want to receive my sight. Your faith has made you well. Jesus responded to his cries, and he saw him through mercy. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. I heard this story this one time of a woman. She raised her child. It was just her and the son. She taught him how to ride his first bike. She taught him how to tie a bow tie. She taught him how to drive a car. She taught him how to fill out a college uh, um, application. She taught him everything he knew. She wrapped his Christmas presents. She bought his first pair of Nike Dunks, whatever you like. And the child, he strays away from everything that he was taught, and he becomes a criminal. And he's in jail for 10 years, and she never gives up on him. And she goes, and every time she sees him, she begins to cry. And he gets out of jail, and you would think that, oh, like she's mad at him. She's not going to help him. She began to help him back to life, back to be able to function. And the reason why is not because of anything he did. He actually messed it all up. But she saw him not through what he did, but what she did for him. Can I tell you, Jesus does not see you based off of what you've done. Jesus sees you for what he's done for you. Jesus sees you through the eyes of mercy. He sees you through his blood. He sees you through his, he sees you through the cross. He sees you through his own sacrifice. Jesus sees you through the, I like, Jesus wears contacts and the prescription is mercy. That's how he sees us. He sees us through mercy. He doesn't see us through, well, they've done A, B, C, D this week, so I'm just going to keep them away for a little bit so they'll learn their lesson, and maybe I'll talk to them. Jesus doesn't distance himself from us the way we distance ourselves from him. Can I tell you, I love how Pastor Tyler says it. He is literally attracted to your weakness. It makes him draw near. He has nothing for the prideful. I've come not to call those that think themselves righteous. But the sinners to repentance is those that recognize their need for him that he draws close to. With eyes of mercy, mighty, merciful Messiah. That's how he's looking at you right now. Just close your eyes. I want you to envision Jesus. I want you to envision the Lord. And for every idle thought that would say that he's looking at you with indifference, I break it now in Jesus' name. For every thought that says he looks at you, if impatience, let it be broken right now in Jesus' name. Let the merciful eyes of Jesus burn away every lie that says that he's tired of you. He's not tired of you. He's in love with you. Just say that out loud. He's not tired of me. Jesus, you're not tired of me.
You're not tired with me. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. You are his work, and his tender mercy is over you. It's over you. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you said. I don't care who you cursed out. I don't care. Mercy. When we return to the Lord with all of our hearts, when we return to the Lord with all of our hearts, we are met with mercy. Just as a prodigal son was met with mercy. Just as he came back with his head down thinking, if I can at least be a slave or a servant, that'll be more than I deserve. The father wraps him with a robe, puts a ring on his finger, and he esteems him in front of everybody and says, this is my beloved son. He has returned home and he throws a party. Jesus is excited to give you mercy. Can I tell you, he enjoys it. Micah 7, you delight in showing mercy. He doesn't just do it because it's something he needs to do. He, he delights in it. You want to you give Jesus a reason to have fun? Receive his mercy. You want to you put a smile on Jesus' face? Receive his mercy. And stop talking yourself out of why you don't deserve it. His arms are open. I just want you to picture that. His arms are open. There's a smile on his face. And you are met with mercy. You are met with mercy. You are met with mercy. That's how he meets you. That's how he greets you. Mercy. Son of David, have mercy. Why don't we just begin to even pray now, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Son of David. Son of David. Son of David. I believe this man had revelation on his life. Because he recognized with no eyes that Jesus was the son of David. And not only that, I think he was pulling on something. I think he recognized if I can acknowledge him as the son of David, I can receive the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. The sure mercies that regardless... We know David had a crazy life. Come on, somebody. And he was met with mercy. And God didn't cut him off. And when he began to pray, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. God said, my mercy won't let me take your Holy Spirit from you. This is how I'm going to meet you every time. And I'm going to establish your name and your line all the way to my own son. So that mercy can run through the bloodline. So that mercy can run through from generation to generation. For as much as we believe in generational curses, what if we believed in the mercy of God over generations? 
What if we believed in generational mercy that says that as much as he, we think, oh, he will curse the generational curses, we believe that he will give mercy and blessing. Look, Joel 2 said, when you turn, he's gracious, he's merciful, and who knows if he will relent from doing harm and give you a blessing. There's a blessing on the other side of the son of David prayer. There's a blessing on the other side of the prayer of desperation. Lord, I thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. I thank you that mercy triumphs. I just want you to even just begin to search your heart and say, Lord, I need your mercy here. I need your mercy in this area. I need your mercy over my bitterness. I need your mercy over my gossip. I need your mercy over my backsliddenness. I need your mercy over my complacency. I need your mercy over my judgment. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. Lord, we just say, let that mercy triumph right now in Jesus' name. Let the mercy of the Lord triumph right now. Come on, band, you can go head up. Let that mercy triumph right now. Come on, open your heart to the Lord. Doesn't have to look any certain way. Just open your heart to the Lord. Hosea 10:12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and reigns. This is, the, this is what happens before the rain. There's a sowing. There's a sowing. Come on, can we just sow right now? Sow in prayer. Sow in prayer. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my pride. Lord, forgive me for thinking I have everything together. Lord, forgive me for seeing myself as better than others. Lord, I don't want to be the one that the Pharisee, when the Pharisee was praying, thank God I'm not like them. And a tax collector beat his chest and said, Lord, I'm not even worthy. And he said, this is the one who's righteous. This is the one who's, who's caught my attention. It's not the one who does all the right things. Lord, break our need to try to do the right things to look good when we're empty inside, when we're broken inside. Lord, we acknowledge our brokenness before you. Yes. Yes. We acknowledge our brokenness. Lord, we come before you with humble hearts right now. <sighs> 